The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. What's up, guys? The regular season in the books. Week 18 is done, and it was as difficult a week to make picks for uh, as I anticipated it uh, to be. Uh, I went with my head or my heart instead of my head on some picks, like, you know, picking the Bears to actually show up and beat the Packers uh, on Sunday to uh, to have this, you know, awesome ending to the season to send our arch rivals home uh, for the winter and, uh, you know, really end the season on a high note, especially after the way that uh, we pounded the Falcons last week. But uh, that was not meant to be. Apparently they... They never left Soldier Field after that victory uh, last Sunday. If we could have just ended the season there, we'd be having a completely different conversation about the offseason and the trajectory of where things are going. But after last, uh, after this Sunday, I have no idea what to think about the future and, and, and what I actually want uh, from, the, from the Bears in the offseason. I, 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 well, actually, I know what I want. I just don't know if I can make an argument for it anymore after what we saw. So, but anyway, we're going to make our way through the uh, schedule where I got things right, where they went wrong, and uh, getting ready for the postseason. And uh, now that we're in the postseason, it's uh, what Yahoo is doing is um, the lowest point total you can put on a game is six, and it works its way up in intervals. It's six, eight, 10, 12, 14, and 16. Um, Six, eight, ten, twelve, fourteen, six. Yeah, six games. Those are the six rankings that we can use uh, this weekend. So, uh, yeah, there's no one-point games uh, this week. So pretty much any loss can hurt you uh, in one way or another, especially when half of the values are double digits. So, yeah, it'll be interesting uh, for the picks this weekend. So even though I'm I'm pretty pretty solid in in, in how I want to go with my picks this weekend. Putting the point totals on them is what's going to be most important, I believe. So, anyway, let's go ahead and dive into week number 18, close the book on the regular season, and get ready to crown a brand new Super Bowl champion. This is the week 18 review episode of the fourth phase. So, let's get to it. Welcome to the fourth phase, presented by Bears Talk Underground and Sports Drink Media. And now, your host, Larry D. So, since we had a a, a non-traditional, as far as this season has gone, uh, approach to week 18, where we kind of spent a few minutes on every game, let's just dive right in. We begin on Saturday, the Steelers at the... Ravens and uh, you know I, I thought the Ravens would be good enough to win this game by putting their you know their B team uh, out there but it looked like there was like anybody that was even remotely valuable to the team did not play uh, on Saturday there were uh, they were with their C team their practice squad and you know those guys out there against the uh, Steelers and they still only lost by uh, seven points, which I don't think bodes well for Buffalo, or excuse me, goes goes well for uh, the Steelers as they go to Buffalo uh, this weekend. But um, it was winning their in, and they needed a little bit of help, like the like the Jaguars losing. And as we'll talk about a little bit later, that's exactly what happened. So the Steelers were in uh, after beating the Ravens seventeen to ten on Saturday. Najee Harris twenty six carries, one hundred twelve yards. Uh, and a touchdown in an absolute quagmire of a of a football game. Uh, the 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 you know the 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 winter rainstorms always make things uh, interesting. Guys slipping and sliding all over the ball, squirting you know out of hands and things like that. So the elements played a part into it. 
the Steelers were, I guess, better equipped, and they were playing their best against a team that had its C-squad out there while they get rested up for the playoff run. I mean, and especially in a game like that with those conditions, I do not blame the Ravens uh, for for benching everybody, you know, because it, it's one of those one of those games. Like when when you're the number one seed and you're the only team that's getting a bye in the um, in the playoffs, you kind of want to. If if I'm the coach, I want to start my guys. Let's go through the routine. Let's get them out there. Let's get a few reps in. Uh, I would treat it like a preseason game, honestly. Like maybe we're gonna, we'll play the first quarter. And then get you guys, you know, off the, you know, try to get everyone out as as quickly and as healthy as as humanly possible. Well, when the field is like that, freak injuries and all is like we don't need any of it. We don't need any of that. So I do not blame uh, John Harbaugh for uh, for for basically putting a bubble wrap on anybody that's going to be needed uh, in, in in two weeks, not this weekend, but next weekend. Uh, when they host in the divisional round, so, but the uh, the Steelers came ahead seventeen to ten over the Ravens. I thought the Ravens B players might be able to pull it off, but uh, they didn't have those guys out there, so I didn't get the pick right. <laughs> Houston at Indianapolis, the the better of the two matchups on Saturday, because both of these teams came in at nine and seven. Uh, both of these teams were win and you're in, and both of these teams, if they won, had an outside shot at claiming the AFC South if Tennessee beat Jacksonville uh, on Sunday. And it was a really good uh, back and forth, especially in the second half. And, uh, you know, the, the the Texans were, you know, had a 14 to 6 lead at halftime. CJ Stroud uh, came in. Made a, one particular uh, made a really great throw uh, to Nico Collins. He was under pressure and he just kind of threw it to a spot, and Nico Collins got underneath it uh, to to make the catch, convert a first down or convert on third down to get a first down. Not to mention they went up top like first play of the game, seventy five yards for a touchdown uh, in that one. You know the 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 Colts hung tough. The Jonathan Taylor had 188 yards on 30 carries and a touchdown uh, in this one, but in the end, it was the Ravens. Excuse the Ravens. I'm still looking at the score. Uh, it was the Texans uh, that were uh, a little bit too much. Uh, they got it done with a late fourth quarter uh, drive uh, to break the tie because it was uh, 17-17, and uh, you know they got the touchdown uh, at the end of the uh, fourth quarter. Uh, you know, they, they got, they turned away the Colts on, on downs at the end. And then, uh, you know, with the, like five seconds to go or whatever it was, they ran it out of bounds, uh, for a safety for the final, uh, 23, uh, to 19 and uh spoiler alert, the Jags choked their ass against the Titans on Sunday. So not only did the Texans win and clinch a playoff berth, but they are also your 2023 AFC South champs. I didn't call that, but I did call them to beat the Colts on Saturday. <laughs> Moving on to the Sunday games, Cleveland at Cincinnati. And as soon as I heard that Jeff Driscoll was going to be the starting quarterback, all due respect to Jeff, like, yeah, Cleveland's not winning this one. Because if we're throwing Jeff Driscoll out there and uh, signing P.J. Walker to the practice squad and uh, benching basically anybody else, which I highly recommended, especially for – the Browns, because this is a team that I think they said has somewhere in the area of 30%, 40% of their uh, salary cap on IR right now. So this is a team that's already been through it with injuries. And it also kind of makes you wonder where this team would be had they not been so decimated by injury this season. You know, it, it's, it's, it almost seems like it's kismet that Flacco is the quarterback considering, you know, uh, that we started obviously with uh, – with Deshaun Watson uh, at quarterback, and and he went out played in his best game of the year, beating the Ravens in that comeback, and uh, you know earlier in the uh, in the season uh, and everything. So yeah, I was completely on board with with Stefanski literally benching everyone, especially since they are playing in the wild card round. So this is where they needed to take it easy, and this is a team that's been extremely unlucky 
with injuries. So you want to take zero chances. And uh, the final score would reflect that because uh, the Bengals got out to a 24 to nothing halftime lead on, on route to a 31 to 14 win uh, over the Browns. You know, Jake Browning threw three touchdown passes. Uh, 18 of 24 for 156, so statistically not the sexiest day to end the season on, but he did throw three touchdowns in that one. Joe Mixon ran for 111 yards and a touchdown uh, in the ball game, averaging nearly eight yards a carry uh, on the day. And the passing was just kind of spread around. Jamar Chase caught a couple of balls. Uh, you know, Joe Mixon caught one. Tyler Boyd only one catch for the uh, for the Bengals, but... Uh, you know, they got it done. Andre Yovash, uh, if that's, I've, I think that's how you pronounce the name, caught two of the passes from, uh, from Browning as the Bengals actually get to say they did not go winless in their division because the Cleveland Browns benched all their starters and, and you know, tucked them away for this wild card matchup uh, on Saturday. I picked the Bengals to win just because I, I knew that the Browns weren't put literally weren't playing anybody uh, on Sunday, and the victory was a rather easy one for the Bengals as they finished the year one in five in the division, which is um some something I'm sure they will want to reverse in 2024. But uh, they'll they'll have Joe Burrow back. Um, I'm sure that they'll probably be looking to get a receiver since. Uh, T. Higgins is probably on his way out because he's going to be looking to get paid uh, in the offseason. And uh, we'll see what the future holds uh, for the Bengals. I, I, in, in mock drafts and everything, I see them. Um, I think they're the last team before the play. I think they're picking 18, which is the last team before the playoff teams uh, start. So we'll see where that puts them with their, with their draft pick in the, in the offseason. But should be interesting. Nonetheless, Bengals beat the Browns uh, 31 to 14. <laughs> Vikings at Lions. And I think the Lions just played in this one because they still had an outside shot at the two seed. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they, they got on the, the Vikings early, 13 nothing after the first quarter. Uh, things tightened up a bit in the. Second half, it was 13-13 there for a bit. But, uh, you know, the better team pulled out ahead. Despite Nick Mullins, 396 yards and two touchdowns, the two interceptions were what was uh, killer uh, to them as, as Goff and company uh, really kind of uh, bit down on the, uh, on the Vikings in the, uh, in the second half. And, uh, you know, we're, we're just a little too much uh, in the end. And uh, I believe it was uh, a Montgomery touchdown late in the game that kind of put it away uh, as well. Uh, Jared Goff, 23 of 32, 320 and two touchdowns, no picks, only one sack uh, in the game. The Lions were out to just, uh, you know, they were they did have something to play for. Amon Ross St. Brown, 144 yards on seven catches and a touchdown. Sam Laporta, that was the, that was the thing. You know, if uh, I, I hope that he can play uh, this weekend um, because La, Laporta hyperextended his knee. So it's not a it's not necessarily a sprain. He didn't tear anything. So it's all good news as far as the short term uh, is con- or actually as the long term is concerned. But the short term is the concern because they were playing all their starters in this football game where hindsight would say, yeah, we probably didn't need to play everyone uh, in this one. But they went out and did what they did. I, I, I knew that Dan Campbell wasn't going to be one of those guys that was going to rest everyone uh, for the wild card round because they were locked in at number three no matter what because the AFC, NFC South champ, whoever that ended up being, uh, was not going to threaten their spot at number three. But, uh, you know, I guess Campbell really wanted that two seed or give his team the best chance to have the two seed, which would keep them at home as long as the number, you know, as long as possible, um, right up to the NFC Championship game. If that's if the one seed was still hosting it, but uh, you know, I think Amon Ross St. Brown got a little banged up, or was it me? With I think it was Khalif Raymond, but there were a few guys that went down uh, in this game. 
Hopefully the Lions get them all back so they can put their best foot forward uh, in this playoff game. They're playing the Rams on, uh, I believe it's on Sunday that they're playing the Rams. But, um, you know, Matt Stafford coming back to Detroit in the first home playoff game for the Lions since like the 90s. It's bananas. So, yeah, but uh, the Lions went ahead and won it 30-20. to Vikings finish at seven and ten. The uh, the Lions at twelve and five, which matches their single season record for victories in a year, going back to ninety one, the last time they won uh, the division. So it's uh, it's uh, it's all happening for Detroit now. It's a matter of uh, can they get it done in the playoffs and at least get a win uh, this season. We'll see. I'm very interested about that that Lions Rams game. But I picked the Lions. Lions came out ahead. Moving on, what do we got? We have the Jaguars and the Titans, and this thing went poorly for the Titans from the, or excuse me, for the uh, Jaguars, and never really, they never really recovered uh, in this one. Um, Derrick Henry um, treated the game like you know, and act. That's how he carried himself afterwards, thanking the fans, thanking like staff members in his post. Uh, post-game press conference and everything, and also treated the crowd to one more dominant uh, performance, 19 carries, 153 yards, and a uh, and a touchdown uh, for the uh, Titans as they were they were up 21-13 to 13 at halftime. Then it was 28-13 to 13 going into the, the fourth quarter, and that's kind of where I started watching because this was a noon game. The Bears didn't play until three, so this was – a game that I kept checking back on uh, throughout the uh, the early afternoon uh, games, and it was the funny thing was I I I, I was watching more of the Lions Vikings game, and I kept going back to that game, the Jacksonville Tennessee game, and I was remarking to my dad as I was flipping back and forth, is like I've gone back to this game four times now, and every time I go back, the Jaguars have had the ball. And yet the score hasn't changed, which means that the you know the Jags got nothing done. And this was before, this was during the third quarter. The Jaguars had the ball a few times in the third quarter, and yet the score never changed uh, for them. Anyway, the Titans scored a touchdown almost immediately in the in the second half. You know, Tannehill, you know, playing possibly his last game in a Titan uniform, seventeen to twenty six, one sixty eight, and two touchdowns. Like I said, Derrick Henry, 19 carries, a buck 53 and a touchdown. DeAndre Hopkins, seven catches for t- and you know 46 yards for a touchdown. And uh, Tajay Spears, only three carries for 25 yards, uh, but he had a touchdown in the rushing game and three catches for 41 yards and a touchdown uh, in the uh, in the passing game. So the, they were spreading the ball around, moving the chains, basically doing everything that Jacksonville couldn't. And the fallout for Jacksonville is they're going to have a new defensive coordinator uh, next year because Mike well, Mike Caldwell and his entire staff was fired after uh, this game. They were a Black Monday uh, casualty. So I thought the Jags might pull it together. I mean, they finished 9-8, and eight, which is what they were last year when they won the division in, uh, in the AFC South. But uh, this year it wasn't good enough. They went on a one and five run to finish the season. They were eight and three at one point, challenging for the number one seed in the AFC six weeks ago. Six weeks later, they're nine and eight. They go on a one and five run. Trevor Lawrence was banged up for almost that entire time, playing with one kind of injury or another throughout, which kind of reflected uh, in his performance. He threw two interceptions uh, in this game. You know, you'd like to say the Jags put up a fight, but when, uh, you know, they just got rolled on defense in a time where they really needed their defense to step up, Derrick Henry was Superman for one last game, eight yards a carry uh, on 19 carries, which is bananas, 153 yards in that touchdown, had a long of 69 yards uh, in the game. Yeah, nothing went right for the Jags here, and uh, they were actually – the reason that I picked the Jags, number one, because I just flat out thought they're better than Tennessee, was that the Jaguars, for all their struggles, were a better team on the road than they were at home this season. They were four and five as a home team this year, but they were five and three, which means they were five and two going into this game, 
uh, on Sunday, you know, Tennessee was a, was a 500 team at home going into this game. They were four and four. So, you know, and as I said, Jacksonville's best wins have been on the road, excuse me, have been on the road this season. So that's, that's what I was looking for the Jags to win and, and, uh, and get in. But, uh, the Titans had other plans, and, and Mike Vrabel might be on his way out, and he goes out on an, on an upswing, uh, beating the Jaguars 28-20. to 20. <laughs> Moving on, we have the Jets and the Patriots. It's not a whole lot of reason to get into this one. <laughs> uh, uh, Brees Hall was kind of the story of the game. 37 carries, 178 yards in a touchdown. Another game affected by the elements on the uh, on the East Coast. A lot of snow uh, in this one, and and I thought that uh, you know thought the Patriots might be good enough to complete the sweep here, especially with all the talk that Belichick might be out, and with all the firepower the Jets don't have on the offensive side of the ball uh, this year. Uh, I thought that uh, you know the defense for the Patriots would be enough to hold off. The um, the Jets, which is what they did earlier in the season, I think week four or something like that, when they played the first time in New York, and this one was in New England. The the Jets have lost had lost fifteen in a row going into this game uh, against the Patriots. So it's just one of those matchups that no matter what happens, the Patriots always find a way to win. In this one, the Patriots were winless in Foxborough this year. Can you believe that? Had not won a game yet at home there because I'm looking at it here, the scores and everything on on ESPN, and it shows the Patriots four and thirteen because they they won the game and and or excuse me they lost. No 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 they they had a win. I'm sorry they were one and seven at home. So I was thinking they were. Oh, I'm thinking the Patriots won. Oh, that's what I'm talking myself into. But no, they lost. So they were one and eight at home this year, which is unfathomable, especially Foxborough. One of the toughest places to win a football game, traditionally, but not so much uh, this week. And uh, the Jets basically did it all by the run because Trevor Simeon was 8 for 20 for 70 yards. <laughs> that's it. That's all. That's all he managed. But he was going up against Bailey Zappi, who was 12 of 30 for 88 yards. When you, are a, when you go through an entire football game and you threw for 88 yards, yeah, but the winning quarterback threw for 70. That's got to be some kind of NFL record. Or or maybe one of its the, you know one of those games where this thing had never happened before and here it was where the winning quarterback threw for 70 yards uh in a game and the losing quarterback threw for 88. So both of them combined for less than 200 yards, zero touchdowns and two interceptions. Zappy got sacked seven times, so I'm guessing that's what the real difference was. Was the Jets' defense really showed what showed up in the last game of the uh, of the season? You know, sack, sacking um, sacking uh, Zappy seven times, Quinton Williams with two sacks, Bryce Huff with two, Will McDonald, Jermaine Johnson, both first round picks, um, Jalen Holmes. So yeah, Quinton Williams. Uh, Will McDonald and Jermaine Johnson, all first-round picks. I think Bryce Huff is a second-round pick, but they all, Williams and Huff with two two sacks, McDonald and Jermaine with each with one, and uh, Holmes adding the last one. And then the uh, the interceptions went to Ashlyn Davis and Tony Adams. So, yeah. But it was a, it was a contest right up until the very end and then a uh, a touchdown run by uh, by Brees Hall put it away a fifty yard run with about a minute to go in the ball game it was a nine to three game up to that point just a bunch of field goals uh, in that one but uh, yeah Brees Hall runs it in it was a it looks like a two play drive for the for the Jets runs it in from fifty yards to make it seventeen to three and that was the nail. Uh, in the coffin. So I thought Belichick had one more in him if he is, in fact, not coming back to the uh, Patriots. But in the end, the Jets and that defense had other plans. (laughs) Saints and Falcons. And if the Buccaneers didn't get it done against the 
Um, Panthers, which is the game we'll talk about next, the winner of this game wins the NFC South. <laughs> and it was uh, never in doubt. The uh, It looks like the uh, Falcons got off to a fast start in this one. They were up 14-7 at the end of the four, first quarter. But the second quarter and beyond was all New Orleans. Um, it just, uh, yeah, it was not meant to be. And obviously there was the, the controversy uh, around this game was at the end uh, of it. I think the... Uh, I think there was an interception, a turnover that uh set up the um set up the uh Saints at the 1-yard line. And let me pull it up to uh make sure real quick. So this this was my, you know, what I recall for the for the game. Yeah, it was an interception. They uh the Honey Badger picks it off runs it back to the one-yard line, and there's only about a minute left uh, in the game. So the Saints are in victory formation at the one-yard line, and instead of kneeling on it and ending the football game, which was it was 41-17 to 17 at that moment, so the game had long since been over, but um, instead of kneeling on it, Jameis Winston hands it off to Jamal Williams, who runs it in for a one-yard touchdown which led to a verbal confrontation between Arthur Smith and Dennis Allen uh, after the game was over. And, uh, you know, Allen tried to plead his case in saying that basically what happened was Jameis Winston went rogue. And even though they went into victory formation, he called the handoff to Jamal Williams uh, in the huddle. And, um, you know, I think that's what he was trying to explain to Arthur Smith while Arthur Smith was yelling at him in his final act as head coach of the Falcons because he was a Black Monday uh, casualty uh, yesterday. So, but yeah, you know, it was like everyone got involved uh, in this one. You know, the uh, A.T. Perry caught two touchdown passes from Derek Carr in this one. Chris Olave added one as well. They uh, kept the field goal kicker, uh, Blake Groupie, uh, in uh busy and this one yeah it was a not a good way to finish for you know two weeks ago I mean actually right up until the very end the Falcons were you know still eligible to win the division you know even going into this game they had to they had to win and and complete the sweep against the Saints and uh, they had to hope for the Buccaneers to lose to Carolina so they were never out of it but you know they finished their season with two blowout losses, us you know first to the Bears last weekend in Chicago, and then this past weekend against the Saints, their their arch rival, which is kind of like what happened with the Bears. We went head to head with our with our most hated nemesis, and we got our asses handed to us. Not to the degree that New Orleans put it on Atlanta, but uh, I'm sure the loss feels the same. You just lost this team again, and you just hate life. 27 first downs from the Saints, 400 yards of uh, of offense, and a very balanced attack, 240 passing, 150 um, rushing uh, in this one. Derek Carr finishes his first season in New Orleans, 22 of 28, so a very efficient day, 264, four touchdowns uh, in this one. So, yeah, quite the afternoon. Derek Carr and company, especially considering that there's a very good chance they're going to blow up the entire offensive coaching staff because these guys were way too talented on the offensive side of the ball to be as inefficient and unproductive as they were. But they ended with a 400-yard performance, four touchdowns from the quarterback, and 48 points on the board. Go figure. But I picked the Saints to win, and that's what they did, emphatically. Tampa Bay at Carolina. And wasn't this thing just setting up to be the most NFC South finish of all time? The Buccaneers, who kind of seized control of the division uh, a few weeks ago when they beat the Falcons, um, could have wrapped the division up last week if they had beaten, um, who did they play? The Saints. They played the Saints last week. 
if they had beaten the Saints last week at home in Tampa Bay, they would have clinched the division. They would have been able to take this game off, which they probably still could have won with their backups uh, on Sunday. But instead, they went into this game with something to play for. They had to win in order to keep their uh, keep the division. They had the inside track on it. And uh, what we got was a 9 to nothing snooze fest between the winner of the worst division in football and the worst team in all of football, uh, who in the, the week previous locked up the number one pick for my beloved Chicago Bears. So there was that. But, uh, yeah, so uh, the Buccaneers, they win. It's statistically Baker Mayfield threw for 137 yards. That's how exciting this game was so it was all defense in this one three field goals from the buccaneers they win nine to nothing uh scott fitterer the general manager of the panthers was fired he was another black monday um casualty so the panthers will be looking for a new regime a new general manager and a new head coach to go along with their uh you know with the top pick in the second round because number one belongs to my bears uh, in the draft uh, next week. So, or next uh, this season. So yeah, it was a mess. I picked the bucks. They did pull it off. They did not fall victim to the NFC South curse. If there is such a thing, but uh, they actually win the division for the third year in a row. And it's funny because four years ago is when the Buccaneers won the Super Bowl with Tom Brady in his first season uh, in town. But uh, the Saints won the division that year. And uh, in the last three seasons, the the last two with Brady, they won it last year with a losing record at 8-9 and nine before getting boosted in the first round of the playoffs. This time they... They win it with a 9-8 and eight record, so they were a winning team, so to speak. And, uh, yeah, they will uh, host the Eagles on over the weekend. I, I don't remember if they're a Saturday or Sunday game. but uh, Or they, are they the Monday game? I think, they were the, I think they're the Monday game, actually. So there is a, a game on Monday for some reason, which is annoying. But what are you going to do? But, yeah, so Panthers – Need a new head coach and a new general manager who will not have a first-round pick and who will not have the first-round pick to go along with a team that's got a lot of holes to fill at 2-15. and 15. But, uh, you know, at least they get to start clean with a new head coach and a new general manager. Buccaneers move on to the wild-card round as the NFC South champs. Oh, boy. Bears at Packers. What can I say that I didn't say for a half hour at the top of my lungs in the review episode the other day? Oh, boy. This one, man, what a disappointment this was. What an absolute disappointment. And especially with the way that the the Bears have been trending up for the last several weeks to the point where going into this game, it was, you know, you felt like we were on solid ground. Eberflus is coming back, which most likely means... Justin Fields uh, is coming back, you know, you know, hopefully knock on wood, we're talking about a brand new uh, play caller because Getsy just has no feel for doing it uh, during the game itself outside of like that scripted, you know, that the guy's the king of writing the first 15 plays that will get you on that opening drive uh, and over that. But after those, those scripted plays are done and he's shooting from the hip, whew, He's no, he's, he's no good. He's absolutely no good. But, um, so you, you know, you thought the bears were trending up. You thought that this would be a fight as opposed to the, the embarrassment that was week one where we just never showed up and, and the team that we thought we were going to see, we did not get. And that's the team that we thought we were bringing to this game. The team that we thought we were going to get week one and watch them work their way through, Uh, The season, you know, maybe they make the playoffs, maybe they don't, but we're going to be better than we were last year. And in a lot of ways, that was true. But we got off to that terrible, terrible start, you know, spent the season finding ourselves. The Montez Sweat accusation was key acquisition, I should say. That was key to sparking the defense. Iberflus really got a feel for calling the plays, and we were humming. 
None of that mattered on Sunday. None of it. Montez Sweat was a complete non-factor. We couldn't get anything going uh, significantly on offense. We didn't score a touchdown uh, in the game. And we got we basically sat back in zone, and like the thing that I hated the most about the, the early portion of the season, we were trying to get home with four. We're sitting back in, in coverage and getting picked apart. And again, same argument as earlier in the season, it's not so much that the quarterback was completing passes, that Jordan Love was completing those passes. It's that, that everybody he threw the ball to or everybody that he found was so freaking wide open, it was embarrassing. So it's like not only would he make the catch, but he would also be able to get a chunk of yardage before anybody was even close to him. You know, it's not like they made an eight-yard catch on third and seven and it was a contested catch, but Love made a great throw, the guy made a great catch, and they just won on that play. No. they were. It, was, it just reeked of being outcoached again. We were getting beat up up front in the trenches again, and it's just like all of the progress that we had going into that game, all of the reason that Bear fans had to have hope going into that game dashed because none of it was there. It was not, none of it was there. Justin Fields with an opportunity to play his best game and solidify himself or to make the decision for Ryan Poles in the offseason virtually impossible. Like, do we stick with this guy that just beat the Packers in Lambeau, sent him home for the, for the winter, they don't get to go to the playoffs, blah, blah, blah. That guy didn't show up. That guy wasn't there. Completely outplayed by Love and the Packers. Aaron Jones was a beast. Uh, in this game, and, and as I said in the review episode, the Packers were playing on a gear the Bears can never seem to find, especially when we play Green Bay. I mean, just to show you how poorly it was going, Tevin Jenkins, our best offensive lineman, one of our most reliable guys, gave up two sacks, two really bad sacks as well in this game. Completely uncharacteristic. Uh, of him, he's he doesn't even really allow pressures, let alone sacks, and he gave up two of them uh, in the game on Sunday. It's just like the it just wasn't meant to be, man. Just was not meant to be, and uh, now you don't know what to think because it's like the 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 what we had envisioned as Bear fans was that we'd win this game and we would be like the Lions, you know, the Lions finished on the upturn, beating Green Bay in Lambeau, and you know all season you couldn't speak highly enough of what you expected from Detroit and their trajectory and what you were thinking they were capable of uh, this season. And we were hoping that we could do that with our team this offseason. Nope. Nope. Now we have more questions than answers uh, after after this game. And uh, the people who are pounding the table for the Bears to draft Caleb Williams to use the number one pick on a quarterback are only getting louder now. And as I said in the review episode, I still want Justin Fields to be our quarterback next year, and um, but I just I don't plan on winning the argument at all. Like, what evidence do I have to support bringing him back? What progress can I look at? Because there's the visual evidence in watching them play, and then there's the, the statistical evidence as well. It's like I, I'm I would lose on both both arguments. You know, there's an outside argument you know, for, for stability. And for me personally, we're not done building up the team yet. Let's just stick with the guy he got. He can play NFL level football. We'll add a few more tools, get us another, get us a bookend pass rusher for Montez Sweat on the other side, get us another receiver to go along with, uh, with DJ Moore. Uh, you know, let's solidify the offensive line, maybe add another piece or so uh, to the line uh, as well. Then maybe we can talk about a quarterback in you know twenty twenty five or something like that. It's like we're we're not quite done yet. And for me, the Bears feel like that team where you build up the team and then plug in the quarterback. We're not done building up the team yet. If we're going to move on to a new quarterback, I don't want to plug a rookie into this, even though it's a much better situation than a the one that Justin was thrown into, and it's certainly a much better situation than the one that Mitch was thrown into back in twenty seventeen. But I still think we got a little ways to go before we can plug a quarterback of the future, a rookie or whatever, that we can ride with long term um, 
Because for me, the only thing I can say for certain is that I don't think Justin Fields is going to be the long-term answer at quarterback for the Bears. It breaks my heart to say it. I still think we should stick with him through 2024 and finish building up this team, and then possibly in 2025 we move forward uh, with the quarterback and start over uh, again. So, But it's like I don't think the Bears are going to pick up the fifth-year option. We'll probably end up trading fields, drafting a quarterback, the whole nine yards. But we're also still wondering, what do you do with Eberflus after this? Because the guy's, you know, hasn't come close to beating the Packers yet. And, you know, the performance that his team put on the field in the biggest game of the season was shameful. So, and yeah, and like an idiot, I picked the Packers to win. Or excuse me, I picked the Bears to win. <laughs> Bears lost 17-9. to Denver at... Las Vegas, both of these teams, uh, you know, looking to end the season on an upturn here. The Broncos kind of squandering what little playoff hopes they had uh, in the weeks previous uh, to this. The Raiders looking to make a case for their interim head coach, Antonio Pierce, uh, you know, keeping the job uh, going forward because I think the Raiders were like, what, three and six or something like that going into um, you know, into the bye week uh, and and everything, and uh, since and since Pierce has taken over, uh, the Raiders have been a winning team, and uh, they've looked uh, very good at times. And uh, you know, it was uh, it's a consideration. the The Raiders ended up being six and three at home this year in uh, in the Death Star. Um, very cool looking stadium. Although the field, for one reason or another, was a mess. And this is where the Super Bowl is going to be played. The NFL is definitely going to want to take a look at that. But, uh, you know, in the end, it was, uh, you know, Jared Stidham did, in fact, start again for the Broncos. Uh, Sean Payton sticking to his guns with the uh, benching of Russell Wilson on that one. And, uh, you know, the Raiders went out and, and dominated. You know, they won the game. 27 to uh, 14. Both teams finish eight and nine uh, on the season. And uh, it's kind of like the Broncos finished how they started uh, with the, you know, losing the last couple games uh, of the season and, and looking bad in the process. I mean, no big surprise they lost these last two, or they beat the Chargers last week, but they won the game 16 to nine and, uh, you know, didn't score that many points against the Raiders. On Sunday, losing twenty-seven to fourteen, I picked the Raiders, so I came away with the win. <laughs> Eagles at Giants. Good gravy! Don't get me started on this one. That <laughs> the Eagles six weeks ago were ten and one, coming off that big overtime victory over the Bills, where they, uh, you know, had to come from behind in the fourth quarter just to tie the game, and then won it. Uh, in overtime fantastic game one of my favorites uh, of the year and um, you know had been struggling as of late but their last three games home for the Giants home for the Cardinals at the Giants to finish the season who the two teams combined for 10 wins the Giants 6 and 11 Cardinals 4 and 13 on the season and yet they went one and two in those games, and they should have lost the first one to the Giants, but they got them. They got some lucky breaks in that first one to hang on for a win uh, against the Giants three weeks ago. They gave up four touchdown drives in the second half to Kyler Murray and the Cardinals to lose that one, thirty-five to uh, thirty-one, and never showed up for this one. They were down 24 nothing at the half, and the Eagles didn't bench anybody for this game because they were playing. If they win, they have a shot at the number two seed in the NFC. They're hosting uh, playoff games until the NFC title game, and you know they would win the NFC East division. That's also if the Cowboys lost to the Commanders, which did not happen. But you know they were playing to win the division. To increase their, uh, to improve their playoff standing, and they're down twenty-four nothing at halftime, and never, never got off the bus in this one. 
you know, Tyrod Taylor and the Giants, they just uh, put their foot on it, in it, and through it uh, in this game uh, on Sunday. Taylor, 23 of 32, 297 and a touchdown. Saquon Barkley had two touchdown runs uh, in this one, both in the first half. You know, yeah, it was <laughs> It's just... Yeah, a 21-point second quarter for the Giants was pretty much all it took to uh, to win this one. The Eagles didn't score a touchdown until early in the fourth quarter, uh, and that was after um, Jalen Hurts got knocked out of the game with a finger injury. He did one of those things where his uh, his throwing hand, I think he either kind of like inadvertently, you know, kind of high-fived the defender or hit his head up against his helmet, but he dislocated a finger. And uh, thankfully, there's no breaks or anything like that, so he'll be fine uh, for the game on Sunday. But boy, if 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 there's a team that uh, you're looking to be one and done, the only saving grace they have is that they're playing the Buccaneers, and uh, so they're playing literally like the worst team to go into the playoffs right now. But if I would not be surprised, to be honest with you, I would not be surprised to see the Eagles get bounced this weekend. It's like I just with the way they've played in the last 6 weeks, they went from 10 and 1 to 11 and 6. This is a team that is circling the drain right now. AJ Brown went down with an injury in this one uh as well. It, it's it's not looking good. It's not looking good. And some people out there think that basically the Eagles are playing possum and that they're going to be themselves in the playoffs is like, and I'm seeing zero indication of that. I, I don't see where that's coming from. So as far as the Eagles, I, I hope that for them, you know, I do. It's like, I, I, I think it would just be such a bummer to lose six of seven, including the wild card round to, to have a firm grasp on the division to, be holding off the Cowboys, who themselves were having a really good season, but to be able to keep them at arm's length pretty much the whole time, and then in these last three weeks where they had the three easiest games on their schedule this you know to finish the year, they struggled to win the one that they did, and they blew they blew a huge they blew a lead against the Cardinals, and then never got off the bus in New York. It's not looking good uh, in Philly. I thought they'd pull it together and win, and I could not have been more wrong. <laughs> Seahawks and Cardinals. This one came down uh, to the wire. The Seahawks held on 21-20. to 20. They needed to win and get some help, like the Bears beating the Packers, so that they could get into the seventh seed, which they held at one point. Um, but uh, in the end... It was not to be because the Bears, yeah, never mind. But, you know, but the Seahawks end on an upswing. They they win 21-20 to 20 over the uh, Cardinals, who put up a really good fight. And that was kind of like the tale of their season. And first of all, I want to apologize to uh, the head coach of the um, Cardinals, who for some reason I've been calling Jonathan Cooper for the majority of the season. I don't know why, because his name is Jonathan Gannon. <laughs> I don't know where Cooper came from. Honestly, I don't know. And thank you guys for correcting me, because none of you did. Help me out here. Please, feel free. Tweet at me, at BTU underscore Larry. It's, it's you know, you're only telling me the truth. It's not like, hey, screw you for correcting me. Like, no. Oh, thanks. So I don't sound like a moron on the show anymore. I appreciate it. But <laughs> Jonathan Gannon. I don't know where Cooper came from. He was like, so why was he calling him Cooper? I don't know. I don't know. But it was Jonathan Gannon who all season, despite having one of the more talent-deficient rosters in the league, and they went 4-13, and 13, so it's not like they, you know, they overachieved or anything like that. But for what they had, and this was, if you guys remember um, the Cardinals preview when we had Joe Como on the show, it was like, this has been a valuable season. Uh, a lot of draft picks and younger guys have been playing, so they'll have that that experience. They have two first-round picks because they own uh, Houston's 
first-round pick because of the trade they made uh, for the third overall pick last year uh, and everything. So they got two first-round picks. They have the fourth overall pick, so they're going to get a very good player uh, at number four. And, um, you know, they've they've shown a lot of fight, so now if they can add some talent to that fight, this could be an interesting team to keep your eye on uh, next season because uh, Monty Ossenfort, the, the general manager for the Cardinals, decided to take all of his lumps uh, this season, and they, they took plenty of them. They took 13 losses uh, this season. Seems like they're pretty well comfortable keeping Kyler Murray uh, in place as the quarterback. So the thought of them taking Williams or May or whatever with one of the with one of those picks, or, or you know, possibly Penix or Jaden uh, Daniels, not going to happen. They're sticking with Murray, so they're probably looking at Marvin Harrison Jr. If somehow the Bears don't pull the trigger on that, or if we do in fact go with the quarterback uh, and everything, so. With the fight and everything that we saw from the Cardinals that come from behind win over the Eagles last week, plus fighting tooth and nail uh, against the Seahawks this past Sunday. Like I said, they add some talent to that fight that they had with this talent-deficient roster. The Cardinals could be back to where they thought they were going with Cliff Kingsbury because, what, two years ago, 2021, 2021, they were 10-2. Like when they came to Soldier Field and beat the Bears, they were – 10-2 10-2 and two with that victory. And uh, they've pretty much gone downhill ever since then. <laughs> Obviously, they did not do well last year. Cliff Kingsbury got himself fired. Um, but, uh, yeah, and the Cardinals were starting from scratch this year. They only came away with the four wins. But they got a lot of good experience for some young players and some draft picks uh, and things like that. And they start building around those guys. And uh, they might have something going forward. So, But I picked the Seahawks to win. And they did, 21 to 20. (laughs) Chiefs and Chargers. I thought this might be another Bengals-Browns situation with Pat Mahomes being sat down. Travis Kelsey didn't play in this game, along with others, I'm sure. Uh, And I thought the Chargers, even though they were starting Easton Stick at uh, quarterback, would be able to uh, generate enough to come away with the win. And, and, And it looks like I was right for a bit uh, of the uh, football game, but the, uh, you know, they, they took the lead. They being the chargers took the lead 12 to 10 with about four minutes to go in the game. But the chiefs drove down the field and Harrison Butker put one through the uprights with about 45 seconds to go in the game. And the, uh, the chiefs won uh, 13 to 12 uh, in this one. And that's kind of what hurt me was that, I, you know, the games that I got wrong were the ones that I put big points on. Because like an idiot, I put 15 on the Bears. That was the worst thing I could have done. I should have just kept it low like I thought I should have, but it, that didn't happen. So, But Chiefs beat the Chargers. Not a lot to talk about here. Uh, the Chargers are in search of a new head coach and a new general manager. We'll see what happens with that. Could it be Belichick? Could it be Hart? Like all last night while I'm watching the national championship game, uh, all I'm ta- all I'm seeing on my timeline is Chargers fans praying that uh, Spanos would uh, would would pay uh, Harbaugh, like open up the checkbook, bring him in, get him in here, you know, let him uh, let him do his thing. He's been successful everywhere he's been, which you cannot argue with. That is absolutely true. Um, but, uh, yeah, so we'll see with Harbaugh winning at Michigan. He's got nothing left to prove or nothing left to accomplish, uh, in the, uh, in the college game other than doing it again. Um, you know, in quite an up and down year for him, Michigan stayed up the whole time. He went through two, three game suspensions and they win the national title last night in convincing fashion over Washington. So, could he be the head coach of the Chargers? Is he going to go to the Raiders? Could he go to Chicago? Is that a possibility? We'll have to wait and see. But I thought the Chargers might be able to beat the uh, the Chiefs since they were benching everybody because they're a wild card team this year. But in the end, even the Chiefs' uh, second team is better than anything the Chargers put out there. Oh, wait. I picked the Chargers. Whoops. So... Rams at 49ers. 
Uh, didn't know what to expect with this game. This is one of those games that I said makes Week 18 so impossible to call because what should have been Brock Purdy versus Matt Stafford uh, ended up being Sam Darnold versus Carson Wentz. And, uh, yeah, so two failed first-round picks. The number two overall pick in 2016, the number three overall pick in 2018. Carson Wentz playing on his, what, fourth or fifth team in four years. Sam Darnold on his third team now. And, uh, you know, looked like they were doing all right, but the, the, the Niners went scoreless in the second half. Carson Wentz ran it in himself uh, at the end of the ball game to give the Rams a 21-20 victory. Now they prepare to go on the road for the reunion between Matt Stafford and the Detroit Lions in Detroit in the wild card round as the Rams finished as the sixth seed uh, in the NFC. The Niners were already locked in at number one, so they literally had nothing uh, to play for here and certainly didn't want anybody getting banged up. Uh, so anyone who was anyone for the 49ers wasn't really playing. I think their offensive line played. I think I saw Trent Williams out there when I checked in on the game from time to time. But aside from you know their skill players, and obviously Brock Purdy did not play uh, in this one. So it's pretty much like a, a preseason game for the Niners. But I did think the Niners would hang on and win, and unfortunately I was wrong. Cowboys at Commanders. Ron Rivera got boosted on Monday. He was a Black Monday uh, casualty, and with good reason, because in two games against the Cowboys, the uh, Commanders lost forty. Excuse me, eighty-three to ten. They lost forty-five to ten on Thanksgiving Day. They lost thirty-eight to ten. This past Sunday, Prescott threw for four touchdowns because the Cowboys were playing their best because they wanted to, A, win the division, and B, clinch the number two seed, which would keep this team that's been undefeated at home at home in the postseason as long as possible. And now the Cowboys will be rooting for whoever plays the 49ers in the divisional round so that if they take care of business, they're hosting the NFC Championship, therefore giving themselves the best opportunity to be the NFC representative in Vegas next month uh, in February. The Commanders, you know, were exciting for a time when Sam Howell was really humming and Eric Bieniemy seemed to have things going there. But in this last portion uh, of the uh, of the season, let me see, because I'm thinking that they were kind of like the Bears of from last season where they just lost out for the last X amount of games, and I'm right. They... Uh, Beating the Patriots in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, in week nine. That was their last win. And aside from that win, actually, my God, I forgot. This is a team that started two and zero, so they went two and thirteen the rest of the way, including losing their last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games. They beat the Patriots nine weeks ago. 20 to 17, and they lost the last eight games. And most of them in blowout fashion. It's like their their loss to Seattle in Seattle, 29 to 26 was as close as they got to winning a football game in the last eight weeks of the season. Aside from that, they lost a one-score game to the Rams four weeks ago, 28 to 20. Oh, actually, they... The Jets, they almost came back on the Jets a couple weeks ago. That's right. But, yeah, mostly blowout wins. 45-10 to 10 to the Cowboys. 45-15 to 15 to the Dolphins. 27-10 last week to the Niners and 38-10 to 10 against the Cowboys. So it's not like they were losing to, to bad teams. But uh, they were really getting taken to the woodshed by these good teams. All playoff teams. Cowboys, Dolphins, Niners, Rams. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, yep, they're starting fresh in uh, in Washington. New general manager, brand new head coach, new ownership. Only going to be in year two of the new ownership going into the season, and they have the number one, number excuse me, number two overall pick uh, in the draft uh, in the spring. So, uh, yeah, hopes are uh, hopes are high now that this season is finally over for the Commanders. But uh, 
pick the Cowboys to win because I thought even if the Cowboys emptied the benches, they would still be good enough. <laughs> Sorry, hit the button. Would still be good enough to beat the Commanders. And finally, in the finale on Sunday Night Football, the Bills at the Dolphins. And, uh, you know, the Dolphins were at home where they were 7-1 and one coming into the game, but this is the, the the tale of the Dolphins is that this is a team that has struggled against good football teams, against winning teams. They were basically kind of like the Cowboys of the AFC in that, uh, you know, they basically tend to struggle when the lights are brightest, and they were the brightest uh, lights in uh, football this past weekend, uh, being the Sunday night game, being the final game of the regular season, and uh, they were winning at halftime, 14-7, to thanks to a couple of picks thrown by uh, Josh Allen in the end zone. But at the second half, that Bills defense really clamped down on uh, Tua and the Dolphins. Josh Allen threw two touchdown passes uh, in the second half, 359 and two touchdowns. Also led the team in rushing, 15 carries for 67 yards. And, um, you know, Final drive of the game, Tua throws an interception uh, to the Bills, and that was it. That was all she wrote. And the Bills, much like the Eagles, have this uh, this late season uh, collapse. And I think they, it was it was not something as extreme as the uh, as the Eagles, but uh, you know they lost three of their last five. And they lost inexplicable games. I mean, well, the, the Ravens, there was nothing inexplicable about that. But that 28-27 to 27 loss on Monday Night Football to the Titans looms large now. Because if they won that game against the Titans, if they hold on, then I think they already have the division seized, you know, uh, locked up. Because they would have been two games ahead instead of one. They would have already had the division one. And uh, unfortunately, that one loss to the uh, to the Titans was killer. It was killer because they lost that game to the to the Ravens, which no one's really surprised. The Ravens have done that to everybody. And the thing about the Ravens is they've done that to the best teams they've played this year. They smoked the Lions. They slaughtered the Seahawks. They beat the Forty ers in San Francisco. And then they massacred the uh, the Dolphins two weeks ago. The Ravens look like the team to beat right now, and uh, and Buffalo's got to excuse me. Miami's got to go on the road to take on the Chiefs at Arrowhead, which is an interesting game. I have no idea how to pick because the Chiefs are not the Chiefs this season, or at least they're not playing like the team that we're used to seeing. I don't think they're automatically going to turn it on just because it's the playoffs or anything, which I don't feel the same. I felt the same way about the Eagles with the way that they've struggled. And especially in the last six weeks, I don't automatically see them just, you know, flipping a switch and they're the Eagles again, uh, just because it's playoff time. So I don't know what to think about that game. The dolphins are in a downturn and the chiefs are not being, are not themselves this season. So I really don't know what to expect, but it's like the, the uh, Dolphins are a 500 team on the road, four and four this season. And Arrowhead's a place where not a lot of people win football games, even though a few more people did this year than normally do. So, yeah, I don't know what to think. I really don't. So that one's going to be one that we talk about a lot in the uh, preview episode. But the Bills are the two seed, so they'll be at home as long as possible in Buffalo hosting playoff games. And uh, they host the Steelers uh, this weekend. So, yeah, things are things are looking good. The, the Bills win the last five games. They were six and six after that loss to the uh, to the Eagles, and have won out, have won the division. They are the AFC East champs, and they're the number two seed uh, in the AFC. So, they are trending up in a big, big way uh, right now. And I picked the Bills to win. <laughs> So there you have it, guys. Uh, in the end, not the greatest uh, week for me. Let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and seven for me this week. And the ones 
I put 16 on the Jaguars. I put 15 on the Bears. Yeah, so those two picks alone are why I only managed like 70 points this week. So I did not win a week in the regular season this year. Maybe I'll be able to steal one from you guys in the playoffs. But, yeah, I went from being like 60 points back to almost 100 points back from the leader so that I'm not catching anybody. So, yeah, still in 10th place, though, so at least I can say I'm finishing in the top 10. But uh, otherwise, it's been a disaster for me personally. I've had a lot of fun, but not showing up in the pick'em game would really piss me off. Anyway, that's going to do it for the Week 18 review episode, guys. Come back on Friday. We're going to give it an extra day since there's no Thursday games there, you know, or anything like that. We'll, 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 we'll push it to Friday for the uh, Week wildcard round uh, preview. We'll talk about all six games. We'll, uh, we'll make our picks, and uh, we'll see how the, how the chips fall uh, when the postseason finally uh, gets here this weekend. So come back on Friday for the wild card round preview episode of the fourth phase. And until then, my name is Larry D. This has been the fourth phase, and we will see you next time.